I've been, um, go ahead, Dale. Yeah. I've been, is, that, is it going? <laughs> I have been uh, talking from the red letters in the last month, month and a half. And um, again, the red letters are the words of Jesus. How many of you have a Bible that's got Jesus' words in red? I think that's most of us. And uh, this one I have in front of me doesn't, but my other Bible does. And um, I just began to pray and to say, God, just lead me where you want me to go in the red letters. And so we started, started talking from Matthew chapter 24, where the whole chapter is Jesus' words practically in red. Um, this morning, I'm going to just make a slight variation and um, talk about sending Sarah. Not Sarah in the Bible although she's a woman of God too, but sending our Sarah into the future that, she, that God has called her and her family to. Something which hurts tremendously and is going to take time for us to get used to. And it's a good thing to cry. It's a good thing to grieve when we have suffered loss. We wouldn't be human if we hadn't. The losses that Brooke and I have sustained in our life and our family, and there have been a number of them, have caused us to go so much deeper and it caused God to be able to do deeper things in us. And so He doesn't waste anything, does He? As I prayed and said, Lord, is there a red letter verse that you want me to share this morning that would kind of be go along with what you're saying, because my passage is actually going to be from the book of Acts. Um, the Lord quickened Matthew 20, verse 16. And just the end of the verse. And so, it's going to be on the screen there. Many are called, but few are chosen. This is at the end of the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And... Um, it's one of those enigmatic statements that Jesus makes that, I don't know, for, for I think for the first 50, 100 times I've ever heard it, it just kind of went right over my head. Anybody relate to that? Things Jesus says, they're kind of like, well, I haven't got a clue what that one means. We used to laugh and say, many are cold and few frozen. Anybody remember that? Earl probably remembers that one. We used to throw that one around in the 70s. Many are cold and few frozen. But no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about many are called but few chosen. And um, when, when I think of Sarah, I think about a young lady, a woman who has a call of God on her life. You know, you don't do what pastors do without a call. If you don't have a call, you don't last. Because if you don't have that mandate from heaven, you're not going to put up with the resistance and the difficulty, the misrepresentation, the gossip, the slander. If you don't have a call, you're going to just go, hey, I don't need this. And you, I'm going to go do what I'm going to do. 
But when God calls a man or a woman, He gives a grace to stand and to walk in that call. He gives His Spirit to enable us in that call. That's what we call the anointing. It's God giving you. The word anoint means actually to, to smear something with grease. How many of you guys have changed brake, brakes on your car and changed wheel bearings? And if you don't put grease and, and just pack the grease into that wheel bearing, what's going to happen to your trailer or your car? It ain't going to be long, and pretty soon you're going to smell smoke, and it's going to get hot, and it's going to burn that thing out, and your wheels are going to freeze up because bearings make it go. They allow freedom of movement. The Spirit of God, when He anoints us, enables us to move in freedom and in power. And with the call, there is an anointing. But we have to respond to the call, which is our choice, or none of that will happen. Many are called, but few are chosen. So who were the chosen? far as I can tell, it's the ones that heard the call and said yes. Because we know that many are called and if he says only few are chosen, then apparently there's a lot of people who are called to go, you know what? I don't hear anything. How many of you have known somebody that had had a call but they didn't respond to it? I do. I do. I know a lot of people who have resisted the call of God that I've met throughout my life. And that, my friends, is probably the scariest thing that I can imagine because every one of us will stand before Jesus the King. Jesus the Lion of Judah. Jesus the Judge of all men's souls. And we will all have to give an answer to what we did in response to his call. You know, he's, fortunately, he's got a great variety of calls. And the call that you get, if you get a call, is going to be fashioned just for who you are. Bob Miller's not interested in public speaking. That's not his call. Are you happy about that, Bob? <laughs> I thought so. Some of our calls are a cross to bear. Especially those that are called to speak truth or to speak light into darkness or speak truth in an environment of lies. The prophetic call is one of the most difficult ones to receive. The call to be a worship leader is a vital call, but Francisco, is there any resistance or warfare that comes with that call? <laughs> you bet there is. But whatever it is that God has called you to be and to do, if you respond and say, Lord, I can't do this in my own ability, but if you will empower me and enable me, I will respond and I will say yes. And God will begin a work and He will transform you. Sarah is a young lady who stood up and said, even though I'm a woman in a culture that prefers men in leadership, 
How many of us know that's true? She said yes. And uh, I hope that we get to hear her story a little bit before she, she's gone from us. But Sarah kept saying yes. And God had unique ways of preparing her. She was raised with two big brothers that were brutal. I'm not laughing. She told me some of the stories. That's why Sarah is so tough. It's all because of Mike and Garrett. I'm glad she's tough. How many of us have needed Sarah to be tough? We have. How many of us know that, that Sarah deals with parents that are going, I just want to drop my kid off and you can do it and I want to take a, go out on a date with my spouse or I want to go get some time alone without my kids. When Sarah has a call from God to raise up godly parents to disciple their children, not be a babysitting service. And many times we've seen Sarah weep because people brought their kids and dropped them off and parents said, I'm sorry, I can't help. I'm sorry, I can't take a part in this. I'm sorry, but please take my kids for the night. And I know that's not true of many of you, but there's always been some that Sarah has labored in prayer for and has cried and, and, and wept for because she wants to see those young ones grow up to be passionate followers of Jesus. And they're not going to do that if their parents communicate in great big bold letters, religion's just for some people, and following Jesus is great for you, but I'm going to do my own thing. If they get that message, the predominant message of their life, do you think those kids are going to walk with God? No. The kids that are going to walk with God are the kids that see their mother, like Maria, on her face, weeping, crying out to God, and other mothers that I see and know here that are in the Word, seeking the Lord, and mothers that are taking part, part in serving and ministry, and exampling and modeling a godly woman, and godly faith, a real faith, authentic faith. faith. Those are the kind of kids that are going to walk with God in the long haul. And there may be some mothers here that have, have been that way, that haven't seen their kids come back to the Lord yet, but you know what? you've got a much greater chance of seeing your kids come back than somebody that has just kind of been a part-time Christian for them. I'm sorry, I kind of got off on a tangent there. But you know what? We have had gold in our midst and diamonds in Sarah. I hope we recognize that. And now we are going to be going, God, what do we do next? And uh, we're going to be Asking the Lord to provide the right person. We're going to have to, we're going to, our board meeting today, we're going to have to have a part of it's going to be a special session where we work on, we start working on that particular issue. How do we find incredible leadership for our children's ministry to take up the reins from Sarah? Now, we, you know, in the meantime, we're going to be continuing Calvary Kids. We have volunteers that are through eight, through August. And we're working on fall. It's not going to happen. We're not going to get hire somebody within the next 30 days or 90 days, 60 days. And we might be lucky if we hire somebody in 60 to 90 days. But in the meantime, it's going to cause us to. It's, we're going to cause us to realize how much we've had with Sarah. When Sarah steps out of the way next week or the week after, we're going to celebrate her on the 26th, which is next Sunday. Here, bring your cards and your 
whatever you want to give to Sarah. We're going to be doing that. But after she's gone, we're going to see what life without Sarah is like for a little while. And we're going to have to go, oh, God, you, you blessed us so much. And now we know what it feels like not to have that blessing. And that's why we ask that you would begin praying with us as our board and leadership. Seek the Lord about who he would bring. See, we're not interested in, in what good logic and common sense of business practices would tell us to hire. We want to hear who God has to come. And you know what? They're not going to look like Sarah. And we can't expect them to be Sarah because they're not going to be Sarah. And we're going to have to love them and gather around them and support them and encourage them. And it may even cost us more because we haven't paid Sarah very much. For the hours she puts in, she probably made less than $10 an hour many, many, many weeks. So, we've got a lot to chew on, a lot to pray about. I want to look at a verse in Acts 13. Four verses. And this is from the, uh, in honor of um, Jennifer Jacobo, uh, this is from the uh, common English version. The CEV, whatever it is. Contemporary English version. Isn't that the version you use? Oh, NCV, okay. Anyway, it's similar. So, let me read this from Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. The church at, and this is the, there's two Antiochs. This is the one in Syria. It's not very far from where all the fighting is going on right now. The church at Antioch, again, this is not in Israel, it's north of Israel. Okay, this is a, a Gentile church, not a Jewish church. And they had several prophets and teachers. They were Barnabas, Simeon, also called Niger. And what does that mean? Niger means black. Simeon was most likely from North Africa and was a black person, okay? These are leaders of this church. Lucius from Cyrene, Cyrene is an island off the coast of North Africa, so he probably was black also. Manaean, who was Herod's close friend, so Manaean was probably a, an Italian, a Roman, okay? And Saul, and who was Saul? He was the guy that later got his name changed to Paul, right? Saul's the one who got knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus. The, the Lord spoke to him and he saw a great light so on, and he gave his life to Jesus at that moment. Saul had been that former persecutor of Christians, threw Christians in jail, made sure some of, some of them were executed. So it says about these five guys, while they were worshiping the Lord and going without eating, another word literally is fasting there, the Holy Spirit told them, appoint Barnabas, and Saul to do the work for which I've chosen them. Everyone prayed and went without eating for a while longer. Next, they placed their hands on Barnabas and Saul to show that they had been appointed to do this work. Then everyone sent them on their way. They sent them on their way. Okay? Powerful passage. One of my favorite passages. And if you want to understand more about this passage in this church, 
Read uh, Acts chapter 12, which is the preceding chapter. This church was started, it was one of the first churches to start that wasn't predominantly all Jewish people. And Paul and Paul was a big part of this church. He, he got involved in it because he couldn't stay in Israel because they were going to kill him. Because he had been their former main guy to, to persecute Christians and now he's flipped over to the other side. And Barney, Barnabas, sorry, have fun with that. Barnabas was the guy that the guys that the church leaders in, in Jerusalem sent up to check out this group to see if this church was some cult, some off-the-wall group. And so they sent Barnabas up there, and it says there that Barnabas was a prophet. They sent him up here to Antioch in Syria to check it out, and he got there and stayed. Another defector, kind of. No, I don't know if he defected. But, but he got involved with what God was doing there, and he's so excited about it, he ended up staying. And he and Paul became very, very close. So I think there's some really cool things to see in this passage that will help us understand what God's doing with Sarah. So let's look at that. Uh, let's, and I just threw in a few other observations because I can't get away from that because I'm a teacher. Every time I see stuff, I get excited about it. So, First of all, you notice the leadership of this church. What do you notice about this leadership? Is it one senior pastor running the show? You guys are looking like statues out there. Come on. How many people are involved in the church leadership? The direction in which this church is going. Five of them. Barney and Paul or Saul and Simeon, Lucius, and Manan. Now, you might ask, how come there's no women represented in their leadership? And I want to tell you that that would, have been, that would be a biblical thing if they were. But in this particular case, this is very true to the culture, okay? The culture at the time. God works with the culture at the time, okay? And so we, we see lots of, opportun lots of evidences throughout the Bible where God uses women in leadership positions. But in this case, it was men, okay? So these guys, there's no, no mention of a senior pastor. In fact, there's no mention of a senior pastor in the New Testament, the word pastor is only used once or twice. The word shepherd is used a lot as a verb to shepherd. They're pastoring and shepherding. But the key here is that you had a group of five guys. They're all strong leaders, but they're all in unity and they're all working together. They're all seeking the Lord together. Isn't that awesome? I've been in so many churches where there are power struggles. Hated it. And it says... Here, that the word there for a leader is the word elder, by the way. That means somebody that's walked with God a long time and can really listen to the Lord, is mature spiritually. So in our church, our church leadership is a little bit different. doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means it's different. We've got a board of, of three um, deacons, Jay and Rosie and Chris and Sarah has been associate pastor. I've been the lead pastor. Jennifer is our youth leader. And so we're a small church, so we don't have a lot of leadership role. But we do want to have this spirit of unity. We also want to have the next thing, which is that there are different spiritual gifts that are working alongside one another here. 
there were, in that church, there were prophets and teachers. Why do you need a prophet involved in your leadership, why do you think? Anybody? Pardon? Yeah, prophets specialize in seeing what's coming down the road. Right. What, what kinds of things do other people don't see? Yeah. Prophets are the eyes of the body. If you want to be able to run down the road, you want to be able to see what's coming, right? And so we need prophetic voices. We need prophets in leadership in our church. That's why Terry Gross, who's got stronger prophetic gifts, and Maria has strong prophetic gifts, and some others, Jay's got prophetic gifts. We need those people. Brooke, of course, is very prophetic. Yes, prophets are passionate about what's most important and being laser-focused on that. Duaniqua, another person with prophetic gifting. Jennifer, I believe, and Francisco. We have a lot of people with prophetic gifting. So many of them are in leadership roles, and I'm so thankful for that. So the other, the other gift mentioned is teachers. We need people that can break open the Word, that can build foundation in people's lives. We have many teachers involved in this congregation, too. The third thing we notice here is that it was a multiracial congregation. How many of you know that that's a good thing? That's a healthy thing. And I'm so thankful for the little bit that we have, that we experience in Alliance of being a multiracial, we're probably the most multiracial congregation that I'm aware of. And I just pray that God continues to give us eyes to see the value of every person and every shade of color and every shade of culture. Because we need all those things. We put all those, all those different things together. We're only stronger. And I think that's a powerful thing. So they had Greek, Roman, Hebrew, African. They had a, a wonderful group there. And that is a sign, that kind of unity, and that kind of, of, um, of seeing all the people in that multitude of, of, of the rainbow colors seeing that kind of unity is, is a reflection of heaven. Revelation 7 and Revelation 5 both talk about who's going to be present in heaven, right? People from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people group are going to be before the Lamb, before the throne. For some of us, that's going to be a shock maybe. And I hope it's not going to be a shock for Calvary's family, okay? I hope we're going to go, this feels like home, okay? I hope that's the way it is for us. So, a uh, fourth thing is they were worshiping and fasting. So, the Holy Spirit spoke to them, but He spoke to a people that was prepared. They were taking time. They'd set aside time, the leadership here, set aside time to be listening to God, to be worshiping, to be giving, lifting Him up. And fasting means that they were actually depriving themselves of things because they were hungrier for God than they were for bread and food and wine and meat and so on. They took time to say, God, I'm just going to set aside this meal because I want you to know how much I love you and that I'm seeking you. And in this instance, I get the idea that they were sensing something that the Lord was going to speak to them 
and that they set aside time so they could really hear clearly. Because when the Lord spoke, He spoke very clearly an assignment that was handmade or made in heaven for those two, two guys in particular. So the question for us at Calvary is, are we taking time to be before the Lord, to pray, to listen to God, to be caught, have our ear turned toward heaven that we can hear what He wants to speak? And I just heard a wonderful report from Monday night. There's been a group of, I don't know, five, six, seven folks meeting here to pray. We've been telling you about that. It's been on the slides. And uh, as well as uh, Terry has a group on Friday evenings, I believe. But anyway, I've been hearing great things about Monday night. The Lord is speaking. People are having powerful encounters with the Lord. So if you guys have not yet been able to get a chance to get involved with that, that's a great, man, I'd love to be here for that. So, um, the fifth thing is that the Holy Spirit spoke. Yes, Brooke, you said? Oh, Friday's 6.30 a.m., I'm sorry. Don't want to misrepresent Terry. Terry wasn't able to be with us today. Um, so the fifth thing is, is while they were, they had positioned themselves to hear from God, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. How many of you think that's good? That's a wonderful thing. I want to be part of a church where the Holy Spirit can speak and we hear Him. And I pray that that'll be your prayer. I pray that you will be one of those ones that go, Lord, I want, we want to hear your voice. We want to know what you're doing. And in this case, they were listening and God spoke. He probably spoke through prophetic word. Someone, um, the Lord, one of those prophets that was in that group, the Lord just spoke to them and said, I'm, this is what I'm saying to you guys. And so what the Lord spoke, uh, the Holy Spirit had gave them a, a specific assignment for Barnabas and Paul, or Saul. He's still Saul at that point. He doesn't get his name changed for a little while yet. And so what was the assignment? Anybody remember what they were called to do? How many of you guys read the book of Acts? Most, half of it's about Paul and Barnabas and or Paul and whoever. So what did God call Paul and, Paul and, or Saul and Barnabas to do? Yes, to take the message of the good news to the Gentile nations. Thank you, Jay. There's a man that's been in the Word. They became the first what we call missionaries, right? They were, what we, they were being sent out as apostles. Apostle is a fancy, fancy word that means to send somebody out like an ambassador goes and represents um, our nation in another country. So they were being sent out to take the good news about Jesus to all these nations around them that were not Jewish and didn't know about Jesus. Okay? So what an amazing assignment. Sarah has got the Holy Spirit spoke, didn't he? To Sarah, he's been speaking a lot of different ways to Sarah and David and their kids, but he's been speaking and he has a new assignment for her. He's saying, Sarah, just like he said to Paul and Barnabas, you guys need to go to the next thing I have for you. So he spoke to Sarah, it's time for you to go. And so did this church in Antioch get all upset because Paul and Barnabas are called to leave them? and They get all angry at them and say, you're going to reject us and go on and leave us alone? Did they? No, they didn't. They got excited for them and they, they uh, fasted some more. And why would, why would you do that?
maybe need confirmation that it's God. Maybe to hear, you know, have more than one person have a word from the Lord. Maybe it's because you need to get your heart right because you didn't want to see him leave. You know, there could be some reasons why they fasted. But it says, then they laid hands on them and prayed for them and sent them on their way. So the Holy Spirit says, I want you to set them aside or appoint them to this job I got for them. And so they gathered around them after they prayed some more and fasted some more. What does it mean when they lay hands on them? In the Old Testament, Hebrews chapter 6 talks about this, verse 1 through 3. In the, in, the, in the Old Testament in particular, they laid hands whenever when anybody is put, put in the new position of, of responsibility, those around them would lay hands on them, indicating that they acknowledged the call of God and that they were believing the Holy Spirit was going to fill them up and give them the grace and the anointing and the strength they needed to fulfill that. And so they did that with Paul and Barney, and we get to do that with Sarah. Maybe next Sunday we'll do that because we may not see much of Sarah after next Sunday because they're going to be doing some driving and looking, I think, seeking the Lord, see where they're going to land. So the responsibility for the church that was sending was to hear, to speak the word of the Lord, to acknowledge what God was saying, to gather around and support those that were called to go, and then to send them. And even though it doesn't mention it specifically here, they were most likely sent with some support. Because they they went down to the coast and caught a ship for the island of Cyprus, I think is where they went the next chapter. And so one of the things we need to be doing is saying, God, how can we support What you, this assignment that you're calling Sarah and David to. They don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet. But we still can support them in a multitude of ways. Our prayers, our financial support, our encouragement, our phone calls, emails, you name it. There's a lot of ways that we can support them. And they're going to need that support. Next Sunday, again, I've asked all of you to, to, and your kids to write out a card, something tangible that they can refer back to when they hit some tough times ahead. They're going to be able to pull those cards out and look at those and go, yep, it was God that sent us. Yep, we're being, people are praying for us. Yep, we're loved. Because how many of you can guess that they may have some difficult times ahead? You know, the greater the call, it seems like the greater the trials and the tests. And we know there's a great call on them. So in closing this morning, I just want to say that just like Paul and Barnabas were sent out from the church in Antioch to their assignment. We get the privilege of sending out Sarah and her family to their assignment. And you know, the church in Antioch, when Paul and Barnabas left, there must have been a hole because Paul and Barnabas had been there a while, had been teaching, and they had many, many close relationships. And, and in this case, they were gone for a while and they came back for a little while. Then they were gone again and then never came back. So I don't know if Sarah's going to come back at all except to visit. I hope she does. But the joy was that they saw themselves as being midwives to send off these chosen people to fulfill the call of God, to extend the kingdom of God, to, to, to let multitudes of people hear 
the good news that would save them and give them eternal lives with all the believers. And we have that opportunity to send. We hold on to our grief inside and process through it, but we just love them, bless them, send them, release them into what God has. And you know what? God, just, just like the church in Antioch continued to prosper and grow and develop, our church is going to continue to prosper and grow and develop. We don't know what our world's going to look like here in the next few years, but we do know that Jesus never changes, and he's going to continue to walk with us and help us in the days ahead. I just believe there's so many good things coming, and uh, I'm excited about who God's going to bring to uh, take over from that, that area of leadership that Sarah has provided. And I just can't wait to see what he's going to do there. And we do, again, ask for your prayers for our board. We're going to meet just about an hour and a half. So let's close in prayer. Lord God, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word and how encouraging it is to us. We thank you for um, the call of God. Sometimes the call of God requires there to be people moving and going different directions. And Lord, while that is hard, we recognize that you have a greater purpose, and that our relationships have been a gift that we've been able to enjoy for a season. And God, we thank you that in this day and age of electronic media, we'll be able to stay in touch through Facebook and email and messages and texts, as well as cell phones. And what a joy that is, Lord, but we're still going to be physically removed from our loved family, the Chris family. Lord, we just want to give you our hearts this morning. We want to ask for you to continue to pour out your grace on the Chris family and on us, Lord, and that you would take us forward. Holy Spirit, we just want to say we want to position ourselves so that you can speak to us, so that you have a people, Lord, that's listening, a people, Lord, who is intent on hearing your voice. Well, Lord, we just trust you for that as we go into the future. We trust you to guide our board. And we trust you to make this a great experience. And we pray that next week would be great joy for the Chris family as well as for us. That in the middle of our tears, we will have joy. And I just thank you for your people today. Lord, I pray you bless them. And that this afternoon would be um, a wonderful time of rest and reflection. And we just thank you for this week. We thank you to lift up kids camp and pray, Father, for you to pour out your spirit on our young ones and all the kids at camp. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for Jennifer and ask you to continue to empower her and as she and her team lead our youth group. And we just give you now the rest of this day in Jesus' name. Amen.